Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Catholics with Bibles, the podcast dedicated to empowering Catholics to read, interpret, and pray with sacred scripture with the eyes of faith and reason. I am your host, Chase Krauss. Let's dive in. What's cracking, y'all? I hope you've had a fantastic week. If you haven't yet, uh, last week's episode, we recorded a podcast with uh, Dr. John Kincaid. It's a fantastic episode, at least I thought so. Uh, it's, it's my podcast, so I think every episode's pretty good. Uh, but that one in particular, I really enjoyed. Uh, so if you haven't watched or listened to, I should say, that podcast with Dr. John Kincaid, make sure you go ahead and listen to that bad boy uh, after you listen to this one. Because if you're already listening to this one and you're driving, then don't don't look at your phone. Just just commit to this one. And then uh, next time, uh, listen to that podcast with Dr. John Kincaid over his book, Paul, A New Covenant Jew. It's a fascinating, amazing conversation with a really good friend and mentor of mine. Uh, all right. So welcome to this episode of Catholics with Bibles. If this is your first time joining us, usually what we do is we start with a Greek word of the day or Hebrew word of the day if I'm feeling super rebellious. Usually I'm not feeling that rebellious. I never studied Hebrew formally, only on my own. I did study Greek formally. That being said, doesn't mean I pronounce every word right, so have mercy on me if I stumble over uh, a word. Um, but I do know what they mean. So fun fact about Koine Greek, which is the Greek that the New Testament was written in, it's, it was like it was not sophisticated Greek. It was like layman's Greek because these were letters written to specific people at specific times. And so it wasn't like academic Greek. So if you ever try, I don't know why you would try, but if you ever try to read like Aristotle or Plato in Greek, which would be super impressive. Uh, it'd be like reading a, a, you know, sometimes you read English academic works or doctoral works. I don't know if you ever have. I have. Anyway, they're sometimes even really hard to read in English, right? Um, and so there's a difference between, you know, academic English and informal English. The New Testament was written in more informal English, the exceptions being maybe the letter to the Hebrews. That was pretty uh, academic Greek. Um, it was more high in Greek. And some Paul... Paul's Greek is a little bit more sophisticated at times, but most of the, all the gospels and most of the letters were written in Koine Greek. Uh, not that it's a different language. It's just, it's a different, you know, in-depth kind of approach or not as in-depth kind of approach to the language. So we do start with a uh, Greek word of the day. So with all that being said, the Greek word of today is aphasin, which means uh, release or liberty, um, which is actually what we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to be talking about this concept in the Old Testament that Jesus kind of brought to a new, more in-depth meeting uh, in the New Testament. Um, so the Old Testament, it was this idea of a Jubilee year. So as Catholics, we actually still celebrate Jubilee years to a certain extent. So Jubilee years happen every 50 years. Every 50 years uh, we have, uh, so this is actually just a, an extraordinary Jubilee year happened. Oh, when was that? Was that 2017? or something like that, 2016. It was a few years back. Uh, I remember I was living in California at the time where uh, Pope Francis set up the, you know, the the holy, the mercy doors, uh, right? So some certain cathedrals and churches around the world were were set up and you uh, could um, go through it and celebrate the Jubilee year of mercy. And so Jubilee years traditionally happen every 50 years. So the next one would be 2050 um, that we celebrate a Jubilee year. But this is not something that Christianity or Catholicism we invented. This is something uh, that has its roots in the Old Testament. And it's really important for us to understand the roots of the Old Testament before we look into the New Testament and when Jesus announces a Jubilee year and what that means. And so 
to get us some context of why this is important, because maybe you're thinking to yourself, like, when did Jesus announce the Jubilee year? Like, did that even happen in the New Testament? Like, when did he actually say that? Uh, and we're going to be pulling from uh, Luke chapter 4. So in Luke chapter 4, uh, we read um, Luke 4.16. We read, when, and when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim a year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So when we read in the prophet Isaiah, uh, he has sent me to proclaim uh, liberty or release, a facen, to the captives, uh, and to proclaim a year of the Lord's favor. That's a jubilee year. And so um, this is this is Jesus announcing a jubilee year. But why was this important? Why was this a big deal? Why were the Jews at the time very excited about this? Well, at first we got we got to look at the Torah, right? So the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. Um, we, we read in Leviticus 25, verse 10, we read this. And you shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee year for you when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his family. A jubilee shall that 50th year be to you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of itself, nor gather the grapes from the undressed vines. For it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You shall eat what it yields out of the field. Uh, so why 50th? Well, another place in the Old Testament, we read that, you know, obviously, the, so the seventh day is the Sabbath day. So it's the word sabbatical, um, rest, day of rest. And so that's, and that's most people, I think, know that the Sabbath day was the seventh day. The, Lord, the day the Lord rested, so that's why he commanded us to rest, to imitate him, uh, because he also knows we needed that. We need that. And there's other reasons, but we're not going to get into that too much. Um, but anyway, on top of the seventh day being a Sabbath, uh, in the Old Testament law, the seventh year, we were they were supposed to let the land lie fallow and rest. So the seventh year was supposed to be a, a whole Sabbath year to a certain extent, um, and then on top of that, seven times seven being 49 on the 50th year was like the, the pinnacle Sabbath year. It was, it was the Jubilee year. So the seven, the 49th year was the Sabbath year. And then the 50th year was a Jubilee year. So what would happen in this Jubilee year? Um, and so another place in the old Testament, we read in Deuteronomy 15, we read at the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor shall release what he has lent to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor, his brother, because of the Lord's release has been proclaimed. Of a foreigner you may exact it, but whatever of yours is with your brother, your hand shall release. But there will be no poor among you, for the Lord will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you for inheritance to possess." If only you will obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all this commandment from which I command you this day. So what does this mean? So 
all debts are canceled on a Jubilee year, right? So it doesn't matter how much debt you're in, all debts are forgiven. If uh, one, of the, one of the things we have to understand of uh, the Old Testament and the Middle East in general uh, is this idea of uh, slavery, but it's more of an indentured servitude. So what would happen is if there was a debt you owed that you couldn't pay, you then were indentured to the debtor. Uh, the debtor was indentured to the uh, somebody, the person who, can't think of that word, person who gave the loan um, and uh, until they paid off the debt. So they were a slave essentially, but it wasn't um, chattel slavery like we had in America. Uh, it was in more of an indentured servitude uh, situation until they paid off the debt. So on a Jubilee year, all slaves were released. Uh, all debts were forgiven. If for whatever reason your family land got sold, that land was returned to you. And so it was a big deal. It was a, it was a huge occasion. Every 50 years, it was like a divine reset button. And it, why? It's because the Lord wanted to remind the nation of Israel that he was the one that really set them free in Exodus. He was the one that gave them the promised land, right? They didn't earn it. They didn't even deserve it to a certain, uh, to a great extent. Uh, it was rather it was all gifts. So this was like the divine reset button to remind Israel for all in all its history that the Lord is the one who set you free and the Lord is the one who forgives you of your debts and your, and your sins, really. And so this was a, a commandment, right? So the, the Sabbath day, every seven days, you rest. And that's, uh, for as hard as that is at times, because uh, we have a desire to, to work and to continue to earn and uh, work hard for earn a living and all these things, most people can, uh, most people can do that, right? To, to have a day of rest, right? right I'm not going to work today. I'm not going to farm, whatever. But the harder one was every seven years, a whole year of letting the land lie follow, which means in the, the six years before that, you have to kind of save up some, some stock, some grain, and then uh, you have to kind of trust in the Lord for a year, right? Which is kind of terrifying. Uh, then on top of that, you have the Jubilee year, uh, which if you were the one who had the slaves, if you were the one that was owed money, this was kind of a terrifying thing, right? Because if you can imagine, if, if you were expecting $100,000, you know, next year, and all of a sudden the government said, hey, all debts are forgiven, don't worry about it, then you're like, what the junk, bro? I, I was counting on that money and all these things. And so it was, it was extremely challenging, but it was a way to, one, keep people humble, but also to make sure every, all Israelites were free. Because notice how, and Deuteronomy was it was saying if you if a foreigner owed you money you could still collect on that but your brothers and sisters should not be treated as such so the your Hebrew brothers and sisters should be released because you are all children of God right it's a, it's a way to keep things in level playing field for the children of God for the nation of Israel and so the prophet Jeremiah puts a very interesting twist on this right the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, this was after the Assyrian exile. So this is the nation of Assyria uh, came and conquered the 10 northern tribes, sent them off with the lost tribes of Israel, right? And uh, remember when he, when the king gets all the way to the, the walls of Jerusalem, the, the plague ravages, and so Judah and Benjamin and, and Jerusalem are spared. But then a couple hundred years later, the Babylonian empire comes and conquers Judah and sends uh, Judah and, and the Benjamites and, and the tribe of Judah to exile in the land of, of Babylon. And we read this in, in Jeremiah 34, 8. 
the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, after King Zedekiah had made a covenant with all the people in Jerusalem to make a proclamation of liberty to them, that everyone should set free his Hebrew slaves, male and female, so that no one should enslave a Jew his brother. And they obeyed all the princes and all the people who had entered into the covenant that everyone would set free his slave, male or female, so that they would not be enslaved again. They obeyed and set them free. But afterward, they turned around and took back the male and female slaves they had set free and brought them into subjection as slaves. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I made a covenant with your fathers when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, saying, At the end of six years, each of you must set free the fellow Hebrews who had been sold to you and has served you six years. You must set him free from your service, but your fathers did not listen to me or incline their ears to me. You recently repented and did what was right in my eyes by proclaiming liberty, each to his neighbor, and you made a covenant before me in the house which you called by my name. But then you turned around and profaned my name when each of you took back his male and female slaves, whom you had set free according to their desire, and you brought them into subjection to be your slaves. Therefore, says the Lord, you have not obeyed me by proclaiming liberty, every one to his brother and to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim to you liberty to the sword, to pestilence and to famine, says the Lord. I will make you a horror to all kingdoms of the earth. And the men who transgressed my covenant and did not keep the terms of the covenant which they made before me, I will make like the calf which they cut in two and passed between its parts. Remember, that's an allusion to uh, the covenant with Abraham, right? Who says, kind of walking through, let, the, let what happens to me happen to this animal if I break the covenant, namely death. Verse 19. The princes of Judah, the princes of Jerusalem, the, the uh, eunuchs, the priests, and all the people of the land who pass between the parts of the calf, and I will give them into the hand of their enemies and into the hand of those who seek their lives. Their dead bodies shall be food for the birds of the air and beasts of the field. And Zedekiah, king of Judah, and his princes, I will give into the hand of their enemies and into the hand of those who seek their lives, into the hand of the army of the king of Babylon, which has withdrawn from you. Behold, I will command, says the Lord, and bring them back to the city, and they will fight against it and take it and burn it with fire. I will make the cities of Judah a desolation without habitation, inhabitant, sorry. So for Jeremiah, why, why the exile? Well, it's because they broke the Jubilee year. They broke the, this covenant they made through Zedekiah the king, and they took back their slaves. They had a moment when they're like, yeah, we're going to trust in the Lord and give everything away. And then after they did so, they, were, they regretted. They're like, oh, crap, never mind. Let's take these slaves back because that's our, that's our livelihood, right? That's our money. And so because of their greed and because they broke this covenant, then the Lord gave them over to exile to remind them, no, this land isn't, isn't yours by right. I gave this to you. And I ordained this divine reset button to remind you that I was the one that set you free from the land of Egypt. I was the one that gave you this land, right? And you were all my children. Um, and so this is the context, right? This is the Jubilee year. And the Essenes, who are a sect of Judaism, 
uh, in Jesus' day, took this super seriously. There's actually a book of Jubilees that was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls um, that ordered the history of Israel uh, based on the 50 Jubilee years, right? So there's 50, 50 Jubilee years or something like that. Anyway, and so the, this Jubilee year was very serious by some of the, some of the sects of Judaism. And this is the context that then we now enter into Jesus proclaiming the year of Jubilee. And so going back to Luke 4 now, so when he actually quotes the prophet Isaiah in verses 18 and 19, he's actually combining two different texts from the prophet Isaiah. And so it's Isaiah 61 and Isaiah 58. And when rabbis do this, when they combine two texts of similar nature, it's called a Gezerah Shawa. You don't need to memorize that. It's just a Hebrew term. It's a literary tool. It's a teaching technique. Uh, combine, it's, a, it's a way to back up your argument by combining um, text of scripture. And so Jesus is calling for a new jubilee, a year of the Lord's favor. He said, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, right? And so, you know, Jesus saying, the re and the reason it's a big deal is because he's saying that this exodus that we're currently in, that we're being ruled by the Roman empire, that you're being ruled not only by them, but by, by sin, right, ultimately, this 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 emperor this empire of death that rules you this empire of sin that rules you and Rome being only a figure figurement of that right only only a symbol of that I am here to set liber set liberty to the captives and I'll, so that word liberty I don't know if you're able to translate that has become set has come to proclaim liberty uh, it's it's better translated release that's actually what the word uh, uh, afas afasin uh, actually means to set release to the captives. And so um, Jesus is saying all debts are canceled. All slaves are free. And I'm here to free you from your sin, right? I'm here to free you from this, this state of death and to bring you into the new promised land, which is heaven, right? Jesus is saying, I'm here to save you. I am the one you've been waiting for. I am the one that I'm the new king that's proclaiming a new year of jubilee. So it's interesting when you keep reading, it says all spoke well and, and of him and marveled. He kept, why, and of course they would, right? They're saying, wow, he's saying he's the new king. It says jubilee year. This is very exciting. But it takes an interesting turn. Uh, we read verse 24. Uh, so Luke 4, verse 24. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill in which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. So why were they mad? It's because Jesus is telling them to their face that the year of Jubilee, the true repentance of sin and release of slaves, is going to be offered to the Gentiles before the Israelites. 
And of course, the Israelites who are listening, the Jews are listening, that done ticked them off. Why? Because Elijah, right, the, the widow, was a Gentile. And Elisha, Naaman, a Syrian, was a Gentile. So Jesus being the new Elisha, because John the Baptist was the, was the Elijah, is coming to set all captives free, including Gentiles. All sins will be forgiven. All slaves will be set free. So that's an important context when you're reading the, the Gospel of Luke. Um, and I think a lot of times we, we miss these things when we don't know the Old Testament. So I hope this uh, helped you, this little tidbit of the Jubilee year. Um, I encourage you to study more on it. Uh, the book I'm pulling this from, it's a, it's a commentary on the Gospel of Luke by Tim Gray. It's called Mission of the Messiah. It has a lot more to say about uh, all this and, and the Gospel of Luke in general. I really encourage you, to, if you're looking for a, a, new, Bi a new Bible study book, um, The Mission of the Messiah, it's a small, quick read. Um, it's not super academic, but it's very profound and it's very beautiful. So I encourage you to get that book by uh, Dr. Tim Gray, Mission of the Messiah. So with all that being said, thank you for joining us with Catholics with Bibles. My name is Chase Krause, and we'll see you next time. All right, y'all. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Catholics with Bibles. As always, if you liked what you heard, go ahead and subscribe, comment, leave a review. It helps people find us easier when we have more reviews and all that good stuff. So thanks for joining. Hope you enjoyed it, and I'll see you next time. God bless y'all.